When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Christmas. Recording this little intro and outro for today's episode is my last little bit of work before the holiday. I am, of course, very grateful to do it, grateful to have the work to do, grateful for this awesome little community that's developed, and grateful for being able to have these conversations with some of surfing's icons. Today's icon is San Clemente's own Jim Hogan. I grew up venerating San Clemente's Beshin brothers, Matt Archibald, a teenaged Chris Ward, but all of those guys looked up to Jim Hogan. He was the predecessor. He was the guy who paved a lot of the way for so many of the superstar Southern California surfers once the industry really got going. And further, Jim was unofficially coaching those guys. Everything from technique to heat strategy, to how to travel around the world, to contract negotiations for deals, for dollar amounts, the likes of which Jim and his generation couldn't ever have fathomed. And those early organic relationships and Jim's innate proficiency as a mentor has served some of surfing's most underserved nations incredibly well in recent years. In the last two decades, Jim developed a heart for putting surfers from some of the world's smallest countries onto the world tour, a goal that he's actively achieving, most recently with Carlos Munoz for the 2022 world tour. I'll let him explain more about that herein. Anyways, despite being from San Clemente and being a man of the world, Jim currently resides in Costa Rica where he runs a surf camp and you can find him at jimhogansurfcamp.com. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Jim Hogan. Dude, what a view. Yeah, Yeah, this is my uh, backyard here. What a setup. Is the ocean back there somewhere? Yeah, the ocean's right there. Oh, geez. Five minutes. Five minutes from uh, from sitting right here to touching the Playa Hermosa. Okay. And I got monkeys and everything in my backyard, but they're not here at the moment. Man, bravo. Well done. Yeah, how's it going? Thanks for uh, having me. Man, you're welcome. Thanks for doing this. Um, I couldn't be more excited for your success with Carlos. It's been, uh, it's been a good... It's been a long journey, but uh, we finally got there. Um, I had a goal years ago um, when Carlos was a young, young man, and 
Chelsea Tawak was also very young. Uh, my goal was to bring the two smallest countries up to the world championship tour. Wow. And um, Barbados has 243,000 people total. And I was able to get Chelsea Twack there a little bit earlier than Carlos. And now I've gotten Carlos there and there's 5 million, a little over 5 million people in Costa Rica. Okay. So that's the two that's smallest countries on the world tour. And I started with both of them uh, when they were around 10 years old. Crazy. So you started with Carlos when he was 10. I've been tracking his career not that long, but certainly, I mean, up close to a decade, I would say. And when he was coming up, I really felt like he's a world-class talent. This kid will make it onto the world tour, no problem. He seemed to have gotten derailed. And then when the, um, like right when he was kind of hitting his peak as a amateur, let's say pro amateur, but then the industry kind of imploded and there wasn't as much sponsor support. And so I felt like in recent years, um, we probably wouldn't see him again, you know? So what is it with this new surge? Why has he suddenly made a climb once again and uh, finally qualified? It's about not, you know, getting knocked down, but it's about how you come back to, to who you are. And um, he got knocked down pretty good. And um, he uh, had to fight his way all the way back and he has and for the last five years he's put in all the hard work and the hard time that no one else gets to see yeah uh, and he's found god and you know through jesus's help he's been guiding him the right direction and he's been doing everything right to get to the to where he needed to go um, you talk about the hard work that nobody gets to see. Tell us about that. What is the hard work? Well, he puts in hours and hours of surfing and he, he surfs the, the worst waves you can surf, even though we have a lot of really good waves here. Um, when the wind comes up and it blows out, most people, they kind of stop surfing because we have four or five hours of nice waves in the morning. He'll continue to surf uh, when it's messed up low tide choppy windy rainy i mean one day it was like super big the current was like going i don't know 20 miles an hour down the beach maybe more and i called him up and said hey time to get out there it's raining and it's pouring and it's victory at sea and he came down and he paddled out um he got swept about a half mile down the beach, right. <laughs> but uh, he got some waves and then, you know, a little bit, five, five, 10 minutes later, I don't see him. And all of a sudden you see him running down the, up the beach all the way back past me and then jump back out the water and do it again. So that's Incredible. the type of hard work he was putting in. Um, he's been putting in some gym time, uh, working out, with a guy named Gary Burns down in Estorios that has been training him, him and his son, Brett, been training, training him hard on the weights. Uh, and I've been working with him surfing wise. Uh, one of the main things as well is finally 
settling down with the surfboard maker to, you know, actually grow with and, and build your knowledge with instead of just letting everybody give you a million boards that you don't know what's into every board. Uh, so basically, I guided them to, I guided them on that part and said, hey, you need to make your mind up on a board. I don't care which one or who, but you have to, you know, put your foot down and work with one guy. Otherwise, you'll never be able to grow your boards and, and, and work and get them down to what you want. And that's what we've done with Timmy Patterson. Uh, and I've been good friends with Timmy since I was a little kid. And uh, so it works really good for me because uh, I can walk off the plane. Like just now coming back from Hawaii, I stopped off and drove straight from the airport straight into Timmy's and gave him the board that Carlos broke during his heat in Haleva and also gave him the board that he did very well in in France and Portugal. And what we had done is we've combined the two boards together now, what we liked out of each board and now we've made one. And I think that is gonna help on the overall is even though that's a step up board, that's a 6.0, um, that will be our base okay. to go lower and up. So we'll be able to use that model and, and bring boards down or get boards that are higher up. Got it. Um, I'm glad that you brought that up about locking in with a specific shaper. And Timmy, I mean, couldn't be a better option for Carlos, I feel, um, coming off of his success with Idolo. But when you look at the difference between world champs and everybody who's kind of just below that rung, decades long relationships with their shaper is a common denominator. Steph with DHD, obviously Kelly with Al, um, John John with Pizel, even Gabriel with Johnny Cabianca. And then you look at like Jordy has world champ potential, but hasn't quite gotten to that number one position. And he's shifted board manufacturers, you know, throughout his entire career. And so I really feel like some of the biggest gains might be made after a decade spent with a shaper, you know, in the subtle, subtle refinements. Yeah, well, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. And that's kind of why I uh, really pressed him to settle in and work with a shaper. So, um, um, yeah. So what do you, th that, what do you, you know, and Jordy by all means should have a title cause he's that good. Um, totally. Uh, so I just think that, you know, it, it, sometimes skipping around too much, it, it can cost you, you know? Yeah. Um, let's give Timmy a little bit of love, a little bit more love. What do you think that he's done for Idolo? Um, I mean, Idolo is obviously a phenomenal surfer, but what has Timmy done for Idolo that perhaps another shaper wouldn't have done? Well, he, for, for one thing, he listens to what Idolo wants and um, they make the subtle changes. He uh, really tries to apply uh, that type of situ 
situation. What, you know, I walked into uh, Timmy's shaping room uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, two years ago, when they were getting ready to run the wave pool contest in, at Kelly's Surf Ranch. Mm-hmm. And, and I just walked in and Italode sent Timmy uh, um, a video of surfing the wave pool. And Timmy just wanted to test me out to see where I was at, just because we're friends and we like to heckle each other. Mm-hmm. So he shows me the video and he says, well, what do you see? And I told him that I saw that it looked like he needed more foam underneath his front foot. And he said, that's exactly what Italo said. So that means we're on the same page and that's what I'm able to bring for Carlos to Timmy as gotcha. well. So how hard is it? We're all on the same page. How hard is it, um, given that Timmy's in California and Carlos is in Costa Rica? It's not that hard because, uh, like I said, I just make a call to Timmy. I can just like I'm doing with you, and it's like I'm there. Does he... Um have somebody manufacturing boards for him in Costa Rica, or does he just make them in Cali and send them down? Um, both. Okay. Um, cool. Timmy's making, I just was there. Timmy just made a, a, a few boards for Carlos right now. He has people making them in Hawaii. He has people making them here uh, as well as in Europe. So that's another benefit is we will be able to drop our files all around the world and pick up boards, other places that are very you know, similar to what we want. Perfect. It seems like that little board building industry and community in Costa Rica has actually done really well in the last decade. Yeah, it's getting better. Uh, you know, it's the quality of, um, I don't know, can you see me or am I darked you're, out? Si- you're darked out, you're silhouetted, but it's fine. It works. Okay, cause I, could, uh, I could turn, I don't know if that works. Whatever is yeah, better for you. It's huh? all good. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, they're, they're coming a long ways. The glassing, you know, what you need is a, you need a Formula One race team, right? Yeah. And um, that means you need your machine, shapers, glassers, sanders, and every, everything has to go perfect. So you, you get the Formula One at the end. If any of those stages are messed up, then um, they don't come out quite as good. Yeah, I know you guys get supplied with the same exact building materials that we have in Southern California, but, and you have obviously um, really well-known and respected shapers down there, but I've heard that the problem comes with lamination just because of the weather and the humidity and all that sort of stuff that laminations are maybe more temperamental and they can get great but if they're not done properly then you worry about um uh yeah breakable boards essentially is that true yeah you know i think a lot of it too is uh sometimes you know which people don't want to say is you do get bad batches of foam you know and yeah uh, bad batches of foam equals in broken boards are uh, 
you know, doesn't take the lamination as well, stuff like that. But I think having a controlled environment of where you glass your boards at the same temperature is key. Totally. Um, how are the Timmies that are built there compared to the Timmies that are built in California? Do you notice any difference? Um, well, you know what? Carlos likes them both. Um, I haven't tried a Timmy here. I've only tried Timmies from California, so I don't really know uh, personally on, on my own experience on that. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. But, uh, um, well, back to coaching, um, do you real simply, do you have a coaching philosophy? Yeah, I, I call it the kiss system. Okay. Keep, keep it simple surfing. Perfect. Um, let's do what we do best and then we'll add on to it. Um, so I'll play, I'll play dumb or devil's advocate you get a young athlete and you go, Hey, keep it simple surfing. The athlete goes, I know how to do that. What do I need you for? Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny is because there's other things that I bring in that I don't, I can't tell you. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, but I, I have certain things that, um, that I'm bringing to the table that, that are beneficial big time uh but the keeping it simple messenger audio hang on one second. that's fine here can you get that yeah um keeping it simple surfing is it's is basically what you find is even including myself and i had to i've had to teach myself over the years, why am I surfing bad? Okay. Why was I surfing so good last week and ripping for the last couple of weeks? And now I can't even do a turn, you know, kind of happens to all of us at some mm -hmm. point, just, you're just like, what in the heck's going on? So what I, I mean by keeping it simple is I like to bring it, go all the way back and start over. So that's what my keep it simple thing is. And part of the thing is, that's why, that's what I do want. I do want it to be able to teach these kids so they don't have to rely on me 100%. If I'm not there, they can yeah. start reset and start over themselves. So, How much? so what I mean is like by sitting in the water, looking out way out in the ocean, seeing swells, Projecting that swell is a mile out. It's going to take a minute to maybe hit here. But I see a couple bumps. And I think it's going from the south to the north. So I'm going to paddle a little bit over without no one noticing, like one arm paddling or something like that to kind of get over more into an area where I think those waves will be. Um, that's one. Two is paddling. If you're paddling one mile an hour and I'm paddling five, I'm already five times faster than you. 
hitting low bottom turn is huge probably the most the biggest key that everybody's messing up on and 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 that's the, the number one thing is drawing it straight down 45 degree angle or long wall you know and sometimes you can't do a bottom turn because there's a big long wall so right when you stand up you want to highline the top one third of the wave and then when the wave breaks in front of you you want to drop down and around but that first bottom turn wherever you get it in is the key to your speed and the rest of your half pipe of your wave and now identifying the big sections for the big moves um, it's not about the quantity of moves that you do but like the big sections coming around that corner where it drops in and coming straight as close as you can into that pocket and doing the biggest turn. And then coming out of that and now here comes a big closeout section and coming up and following that lip line as hard as you can and upside down and landing it. You know, to get the maximum points that you could possibly get and make it the most radical. And that's what we're trying to do is we're just really keeping that part simple but then we go into the airs, right? Um, there's a long, a, a lot of times where I used to tell Carlos, do not do airs. Hmm. Don't do them. Not yet, you know, because he could go, he has such a big backhand that he could do three big vertical turns and get a seven to nine every time. Totally. So I really was trying to get him to get, the big score on the board, then go to the air. So it's just about using his skills and at the right time. Yeah. It sounds so simple. <laughs> it's not big, you know, I mean, we sat in Europe on the beach by ourselves. We kind of hid away from everybody. And, um, I like I bring umbrellas so we kind of it's like put it over us so it's just me and him sitting there so we kind of away from everybody don't see anybody just focusing on what the waves are and trying to identify where the big sections are and how to get the bigger points and even though that right looks way better and it's more lined up that left is way more vertical and closed out Sometimes you want to go left on those big closeouts and hit those massive turns. It's, I'm glad to hear you say that. That's a little secret that's hiding in plain sight is that two big backside turns will get you an eight. It has in the 80s, it did in the 90s, and it still will today. And I feel like that was Connor Coffin's strength in Australia this year, where he was drawing like Gabe, Idolo, these guys who could potentially drop tens. And then all he had to do was just do two big backside smashes on the beach break and he'd get through heats with a 16 point total, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that is huge, you know, as uh, being able to identify it. And then it all depends on who's in your heat too. So say like a Connor Coffin, right? He rips, you know, he's going to pick good waves. You know he's going to go fast. He's a speed surfer. He's a tail surfer. He loves that huge roundhouse turn. 
and that's his big money. So how do you beat a guy like that? Maybe go to the air? <laughs> no, you do the same turn he does, but do it better. Okay. You know, beat him at his own game. There. And go to the air too, but this this let's match him. You know, whatever you could do, I could do and better. Yeah. And Carlos so, can. Yes, and Carlos can. So um depending on who's in the heat is depending on uh well. You just kind of want to know what their strengths are and what your strengths, you know, can, what you're, you can do to beat that. It's interesting. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. And, um, but I also think that there's kind of value to the opposite approach too, which is it doesn't matter who's in my heat. I'm going to impose my will upon them. I'm going to come out and be the best at what I do. And they're going to be the ones trying to catch up with me, you know? Yeah. Well, we're, Again, I'm just, that was just a, a version of what I am. That's not exactly what 100% has meaning though. Because what, we do, well, because what we do is we, well, let me back it up. Because what we do is we do surf our own heat. Gotcha. 100%. But knowing days before that on, um, who's there and whatever, you know, say you got Italo. Okay, well, you know what? I'm gonna make sure I, I've got some air game and I'm gonna try some, some different type of airs that will get higher points to at least stay close. You need to stay close at all times on, um, if Italo goes up and does a huge air, then you're gonna need to get something close to that in the air to match them so you're within a point of three vertical backside flips to beat them <laughs> right totally um you know so if mistakes are done that you could still advance through the heat and you're not really worried about who is in your heat except yourself yeah i, I always tell carlos you can't help how everyone else serves it's about picking the right waves your wave choice. Yep. Um, so a lot of a lot of times over the years, Carlos had lost. It was bad wave choice. Um, how much of your philosophy is grounded in technique, and how much is grounded in headspace? Oh wow, that would be that would be about 50-50. I, uh, I feel like maybe, maybe I, the headspace is a little bit is more um, because it took a little bit longer to be able to like keep that calmer. That that technique we've been working on together for years on different things. So that is kind of easy for me is to see certain things that, hey, whoa, whoa, you're not using this, you know, yeah. using that. that and then oh, okay, all of a sudden you use it, and all of a sudden the board seems to be going better on little things. The headspace is, is being able to stay calm, relaxed, focused, confident. That's what we've been working on, and I, I'm sure that's what you can see the change in. Okay. Yeah, and that's where, I mean, I, the more I think about it, the more your KISS philosophy uh, covers all the bases, because 
um, like somebody like John, John, you feel like he's just focusing on surfing. There's no headspace clouding him. The, the head games that Andy and Kel, you know, Andy and Kelly were famous for or whatever, all of that uh, can be a huge distraction from just kind of focusing on the surfing where I, I feel like John, John just goes out and he just, when he gets out of the headspace and just focuses on surfing simply is when he shines the most. And so um, you, you almost, you take on all of this kind of other stuff that you put onto your surfing. And a lot of it feels like you want to just shed all of that and return to kind of the simplest form. Well, that's, and how do you beat a guy like John, John, get him out of that headspace. There you go. Which is what Zeke Lau did exposed exactly. to everybody. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so then they didn't like it. And for me, I, I thought that was, I thought that was a bummer. I, I really did because I thought, you know, out of all the surfing, the one thing you could have done is, is keep a little bit of the hassle at the beginning, you know, like old school in there a little bit fight, like who wants to win. Yeah. You know, if you don't want to fight for that first wave, you know what, just give it up. Yeah. You know, but just to say, oh, you know, they hassled. I don't think it's right. This and that, you know, it used to be a lot different in the day. Uh, of course. And it used to be a little bit more fight, but um, how do you get to beat a Gabriel Medina? You know, like when Carlos surfed against Gabriel Medina at Trussell's years ago, uh, I told Carlos, like, I knew he was going to beat, win that first heat. You know, uh, I was walking by and there's a bunch of people saying, hey, you know, Carlos is going to get mopped by Medina right here, you know, in this heat. And I stopped and I, I asked him, said, you know, uh, I'll bet each one of you $100 Car Carlos wins this heat. There's about six guys there. And not one of them bet me. Well, Carlos ended up winning that heat on the very last wave, but he won the heat. Here's a... Uh, Here's some monkeys on on my wall right there now. Can you see that? Oh yeah, there, there they are. Yep, yep, yep. I'll sit over here so you can see some monkeys over here. Perfect. Let me see. Yep, I see them on the railing. Got my dog over here. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but you know, my my thing was was you know I had the confidence in Carlos to beat Gabriel Medina. Now, I wouldn't be a good coach if I didn't have any confidence and I didn't show that. So Carlos heard me say that and his confidence comes up. You know what I mean? I'm backing whoever I'm, whoever is surfing with me, 100%. We're not going in to lose. I, if anyone knows me, I don't like to lose. doesn't matter if it's ping pong pool especially serving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. But, uh, um, the next heat I told Carlos stay away from Medina because he's a really good paddle hassler and Carlos didn't listen. <laughs> he went, he went out and tried to paddle with him and Medina paddled over the top of him and right over the top of the board. And then Carlos was paddling for another wave coming down and Medina actually sat up in front of him. If Carlos just paddled into him, he would have got a, Medina would have had interference twice in that yeah. heat. 
Um, so um, just knowing your competitor of what their strengths are like that, like, you know, I, I was trying to tell Carlos stay away from them, sitting underneath them. If he likes to wave dope, we were supposed to go straight to the air in that heat. But because when Carlos tried to paddle house them and Medina went over the top of them and it took Carlos out of the game, he, he never brought his head back in to surfing. He, 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 he kind of let it all out and it was game over. Yeah. So that's the type of stuff that we learned back then that we have been able to deal with and fix. Good. Um, yeah. How common were coaches when you were a pro surfer? Um, there really wasn't a whole lot. You had uh, Ian Cairns, Peter Townen, Ben Ipa, um, a few Australian guys, uh, like this, uh, Graham Hines, older guy, um, Martin Dunn and guys like that and some other guys. Uh, but there really wasn't a whole lot of coaching. Yeah. What? So like even when I was growing up, I, uh, I, I brought, I had Martin Potter come from South Africa when he was 15, I was 18, moved into my house for six years. Uh, we had, you know, I, I was surfing every day down T street and trussels. Uh, anyways, Dino and Dino, Matt Archibald and Parsons, maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Dino, Matt, Shane Beshin, uh, Parsons. Well, all, all, there's a whole bunch of group of guys, but th th those three guys, Shane, Dino, and Matt, I used to really help out a lot. And um, I was helping them, but I, I, I guess I was coaching, but I didn't know it. You know what I mean? Okay. You, you're, you're always giving them advice and, and pushing them forward and helping them with their contracts and, and, uh, getting them at surf events the next thing you know like now they're like competing directly against me and taking money out of my pocket so it's <laughs> like okay <laughs> but we are still great friends but another thing too is uh i i put it into play back then from san Clemente. if you're with a, another guy that we you help each other you know and and yeah. that's that's what you don't see so much anymore is a lot of help from your countrymen or you know and, and i think that really helps a lot when you are out in front that you kind of give some help and and then it, it'll be paid back with you later interesting it's harder to do but obviously in two-man heats that's, yeah that's well in two-man heats that's completely different it's it's just a strategy Gate man on man game, and that makes it that makes it all fun. Um, so. talking about helping those guys with contracts, the industry is obviously completely different. What are the prospects for sponsorship for Carlos at this point? Are there any? Um, yeah, there will be for sure. Um, he is uh so liked all around the world. Um, and un unique, well, 
before his hair was really big like that a long time ago, right? Yeah. And I told him after a bunch of stuff happened and to restart, I said, you know, if you cut all your hair off, you know, and show me that you want to do this, you know, and he did, he cut his hair off. And now it's five years later and he's let it grow back and it's all good now because he proved that cutting it and, and really putting the hard work in. And, but I took a picture when there is 15, well, about 30 people in the water and I'll leave it when it's flat and you just, you take a picture of everyone sitting there and all of a sudden you see Carlos, you, where's Carlos? There he is. Yeah. He's really identifiable. And I think that's, if someone doesn't pick him up, they're missing a huge marketing opportunity. Yeah. I think, I don't know though. Like there's, I guess you're right. It, he does have a distinct look and something that is marketable, but I also feel like there's just so many immense talents that are out and available that um, it's tough to find a sponsorship. There's very, you almost have to like create your own little media company that you are promoting yourself. And then another brand will come on and be a part of that chain, but sitting around and waiting for a company to just come and offer the contract is almost never going to happen for anybody at this point, you know? Yeah. Well, things are a lot different at the moment. So yeah, yeah. there, there's uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, uh, it's, it's a, it's a new, new time. I mean, before it was easy to walk in and, go to a MCD or a gotcha or a Quicksilver, you know, Billabong or someone like that. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. I think, I, I think there is O'Neill body glove, you know, I mean, there's root curls sponsoring tons of people right now. Uh, it's kind of a shame that you don't see the surf industry back in the surfers right. as much considering they've made them millions. Totally. Uh, and uh, when you finally get to the world tour, you should be sponsored by one of the best surf companies in the world. Uh, no matter who you are, uh, you know, even Connor O'Leary and all these guys that don't have their, they're all well, deserving of sponsors. Yeah. Um, are there any unique challenges for the surfers that are coming from Costa Rica? Unique challenges? Yeah, there's just not as much. There's no backing here. Uh, so to like Carlos, he, he really did the hard, the hard way. So what is the path for a surfer from Costa Rica who has world-class talent? I mean, I'm sure you see them down there what is the path for them to getting onto the world stage they have to have money to travel to go to contests basically is that it yeah and uh it's just not available and and even carlos was i mean he did it on borrowed money did he was he working a regular job in recent years to fund any of that or was it all focused on surfing uh, I was focused on surfing. Um, he had he had saved some money from the Volcom and Red Bull contract. Yeah. And he uh, was using that to bet on himself. Awesome. 
The Digital Vans Triple Crown of Surfing has returned to the North Shore. It started a couple of days ago, December 21st, and runs through January 21st, and it's at all three historic surf venues that you know and love. It'll award individual event titles to the men and the women at the Vans Hawaiian Pro at Haleiwa, at the Vans World Cup of Surfing at Sunset Beach, and of course at the Vans Pipe Masters, as well as an overall Vans Triple Crown Series champ. Submissions are currently coming in, and you can see everything on VansTripleCrownOfSurfing.com, and of course follow at Vans Triple Crown of Surf on Instagram to watch as the event unfolds. Vans is also partnering with Sustainable Coastlines. I mentioned them a couple of weeks ago. Sustainable Coastlines Hawaii is a grassroots nonprofit organization with a mission to inspire local communities to care for their coastlines. They accomplish this by organizing fun and engaging community beach cleanup events, sharing knowledge through a robust educational program, promoting awareness through public outreach campaigns, engaging business leadership and hands-on solutions through corporate cleanups, providing the tools needed needed for others to host their own cleanups and offering sustainability consulting and waste division at events. Sustainable Coastlines Hawaii. For the past eight years, they've collaborated with Vans to reduce waste, improving recycling and composting practices, and overall just keep the North Shore beaches clean during the Vans Triple Crown of surfing season. This partnership has helped to turn 27,000 pounds of waste into a resource by recycling and composting materials that would have otherwise been incinerated. Pretty incredible work. So sustainablecoastlineshawaii.org and of course vanstriplecrownofsurfing.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop. I'm super excited to finally be able to share Whoop with you. I started working with them and using the Whoop strap almost a year ago. And when they first reached out, I had already seen John John Florence wearing one. Um, I think that he was just starting to really get into cycling at that point. So I'd see him wearing it on his bike. I'd see him wearing it in the water while he was surfing. And when I talked to the team at Whoop, they actually explained that although it is a wearable fitness tracker, it's actually designed around the concept of recovery. So yes, it tracks exertion, but helping understand how your body recovers actually allows you to get more out of your workouts. So we're finally launching this partnership because Whoop just released their all new Whoop 4.0 strap, and it is the most advanced fitness wearable on the market. You wear it on your wrist. It has biometric tracking that tracks skin temp, blood oxygen, and of course heart rate, and much, much more. It is smaller and smarter than previous versions. It's so sleek that it fits under your wetsuit sleeve. Of course, it's waterproof. So the strap itself doesn't actually have a screen. There's no buttons. There's no annoying notifications. It's just constantly collecting your body's data 24-7. And then it connects to the app, which is on your phone, and gives you invaluable insights into the very big picture of your overall health. These vitals are super easy to share with your physician, your coach, your trainer, your PT, whomever. Think of it as a personalized digital fitness and health coach. Our promo code is the word SURF, where you'll save 15% on your membership, and you'll also get that WHOOP 4.0 strap completely free. WHOOP.com, W-H-O-O-P, WHOOP.com. 
and then use our promo code to both support us and then of course save 15% on your membership. The code is the word SURF on whoop.com, promo code SURF. Thank you and enjoy. Are there any unique advantages for Costa Rican surfers? Um, yeah, we have good waves every day. We, 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 get, we got warm water. We have every kind of wave you want on from the Pacific side to the Caribbean. We have big gnarly reef breaks. We have point breaks, right? Point breaks, left point breaks, a lot of beach breaks, which is, um, you know, like on tour, uh, a lot of the, we have some, some waves that are kind of hidden away from here that are like a baby little Chopu or yeah. maybe a little Jeffrey's Bay, right? And then we have beach breaks that, that are like, you know, super tubes or a lot of the beach breaks. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna be, you know, we, we have every, every kind of wave. I mean, when Kelly won his 10th title, he came here in between every contest just so he could practice on a wave similar like that. And he got to surf by himself with no one around, kind of hit right. away from the lowest pack of a hundred guys every day. So he'd come down and specifically look for certain waves and uh, Charlie Kuhn and I'd pick him up and take him around and kind of hide. And by the time he would leave, everybody would realize he was here, but he's gone already. Yeah. Well, so honestly, um, the things, even what you described as a disadvantage for Costa Rican surfers or who want to be professional surfers, I really view that almost as a benefit in the long run because, um, like the wave, the quality of waves that you guys have and the energy in the ocean is actually similar to Hawaii in a lot of ways. So but the problem with kids growing up in Hawaii is they don't want to leave Hawaii. So they get to surf the best waves, but if they want to develop kind of the tenacity of a Gabriel Medina, you got to leave the rock and you got to go out there and you got to struggle a little bit. And then you have Brazilians who have all that tenacity because of the hardship that they've overcome, but they grew up surfing a lot of crappy waves. I feel like Costa Rica is the perfect blend of both things where you like Carlos's talent is undeniable in he's done well at pipe in the past in the Vulcan events. So like hit it's translatable everywhere that he goes in the world. And then the perseverance that he's had to go through creates kind of a grit and a tenacity in him that you cannot teach. You can't manufacture it. You either have it or you don't, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, there's, I've been, I've been doing this a long time and I've watched, you know, Art, Matt Archibald was by far the best surfer back then in the, in the day. He, he is a world champion that never got a title, you know. Yeah. Uh, James Dean of surfing. Totally. Uh, but, and I was like, no, I don't need another one of those. And that's what I feel like I have with Carlos. But Carlos, he broke that down and we, he finally qualified and um you know yeah so it's you know it's like you know having two of the best surfers over the years and then and it, you know to not let watch them qualify or something it's just it it hurts to you know 
Yeah. But had he qualified when he was 18, I feel like he wouldn't maybe have achieved his full potential on tour because it's just too much too soon. I think that that last chapter of hardship will actually make him a much more fortified competitor now that he's on tour. Oh no, he's surfing the best he's ever surfed right now. And uh, he's ready. Like, you know, the, the, the only thing that uh, concerning me is, you know, he doesn't get the full year. He only has five events and um, you know, that that's a bummer because, you know, Nate Yeomans and uh, Tanner Cadalis has kind of got their, their year gypped a few years ago by the half a year cut. And um, I don't think it's fair, uh, you know, that they're, they're cutting 12 guys out right after, you, you know, after five events, uh, most of the guys come up against, you know, the best guys in the world right off the bat. So it's, you know, what, but he's, I, I feel like getting Carlos, you know, on the tour, I believe he can be a top five guy now. Like I'm not sitting there going, Hey, no, no, we're, we're just going to try to qualify. No. I think we're like going straight for the top five awesome. and uh, that's my confidence in his surfing. And yeah. I know those other guys are the best guys and I know he can beat them because I see Carlos all the time. And I've seen those guys a lot. Those guys are great surfers. Of course, does Carlos have his work cut out? Heck yeah, he does. Those guys yeah. are really good. Um, now that Carlos is in that game with the best surfers, his level will jump up again when he is on the playing field with those guys every day. So that's something that you're not going to see until we get to see it in action now. Um, yeah. Because you only get better when, I mean, I was always saying he'll never get to that level of the best surfers in the world unless you make it to them. Right. And yeah. now that he's made it to them, now it's, you know, start. That you know, it was the end of the beginning, right? Or the you know, we just ended, yeah, uh, everything, and now it's the beginning already. So it's a brand new start. Everything's uh, that was the end of the the beginning of what's to, to come. So it's going to be interesting. He's going to have his work cut out. Uh, we're going to be prepared and we're going to, we're, we're throwing everything at it. Uh, there's not going to be any holding back on huge turns or anything. It's surfing against the best. We're going to bring the best. Is he still in Hawaii after the challenger series? Is he staying through the winter? Um, he came home uh, and he, to see his family as two young kids for Christmas. He went, he went to California just now and surfed the surf ranch for two days with uh, um, Lucas Messina and Johnny Corso. And he just flew back. So he's here. And then in a, right after Christmas, he's, he's off back to Hawaii. Then I'll, I'll follow back behind him and catch up. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I feel like with the mid-year cutoff, Hawaii is so important. Like 
if you don't do well in Hawaii, it could really erode your confidence going into Portugal and like the wheels could fall off. And so I love the strategy of going for the top five right out of the gates. Also, even if they didn't have the mid-year cutoff, you don't want to be one of those surfers who's constantly in the back half anyways. Like we're kind of, I'm kind of done with that format. If you're not going for the top 10, then we don't need you on tour anymore. You know? Yeah. Just from an entertainment standpoint. And and for me, I've always said he gets on tour, he's going for the top five. Is that difficult? Oh yeah. You got John, John Medina, Gabriel, and Philippe Toledo and it's well, I mean, it's, those guys are, those are the guys that he has to bring it to. Yeah. So, um, and at Pipeline, uh, in an early contract uh, with Volcom, when he was 15 to 18, the first three years of the contract, I made sure that he would stay there in the Volcom house for a month and he had to serve pipe every day. Yeah. So when he surfed the Vulcan pipe, uh, when he was 18, his very first wave in that contest was a 10 on the right. Yeah, I remember that. And he's had three tens that I know of, possibly four. And he has a wave of the winner out there. Yep. And I think, you know, I mean, I just saw uh, a video this morning of Pipeline, and there's 150 guys in the water, like, just, I mean, how are you going to catch waves and really, you know, enjoy yourself out there? You're not. He sits out there for an hour to catch one wave. Uh, because he he doesn't want to get in the way of people and there's just so many people in the way um but he we have a place called uh salsa bravo over here that has mean mean reef break and there's a left and a right barrel on it and uh carlos will go on any of that so you just give him the waves and he'll do well and with yeah. just a few guys in the water, um, it's, it's almost in a way uh, you want to be there and get some waves, but you don't want to get discouraged either. Right. You know what I mean? 150 guys in the water, you don't want to be coming out just being all mad and bitter and stuff. So sometimes it's better to maybe go surf at uh, log cabins and just pull into some big bombs on the beach over there. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, just a little bit there, but a little bit off to the side somewhere. That's Matt Archibald's strategy, right? And off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so let me ask you, uh, moving on from Carlos a little bit, how did your relationship with Sage develop? Um, well, it was years ago in 2009, uh, they came here for the ISA World Games. And Ian Cairns called me and asked if I would help the U.S. team uh, coach. And I, uh, I said, yeah. And anyways, I uh, 
started helping them and they ended up winning the gold medal here. And it was right in our backyard. And then over the years, I just was always supportive of Sage. And then we were in, uh, I believe Cabo and she asked for some help. And the uh, first time I uh, helped her, she ended up getting a fifth place. And then we just started this relationship after that. And she fell off tour and I gave her some information how to get back on. And um, she went and did it and got back on. So, and then just, it started gradually. And then I started changing her technique of uh, things that were super basic surfing that was not, she wasn't doing. And so we backed all the way up and then started again and uh, started getting more power out of her surfing and changed some of her surfboards on her designs and, and just really started a, a good relationship. And then in Australia, uh, surfed in a, a 5,000 event. And that was the first contest I coached from start to finish and she won and got back on tour. And that's how it started all over again. She, so. it feels tracking her career. Um, there's some similarities to Carlos actually in terms of unfulfilled potential as of yet, where do you see yeah. is the biggest room for improvement with Sage? Well, she just got, she just started right now. She's surfing the best she's ever surfed and she was thinking about retiring, but I think she, that's not a hundred percent, but I don't think she's going to retire. I think that she's realizing that she's now surfing the best she's ever Served, and I think that 2022, uh, you may see uh, us trying to come back and requalify, but that's all up to her. Where do you uh, think the biggest I, room I, for improvement I, I, is? Um, bigger turns uh, that she's identifying now, and her boards really tuning in on her equipment. Uh, and she's having more fun, you know, like mm. that's what I bring to it. Got to keep, got to have it. Fun. If you're not having fun, you're already done. Yeah. So you know, I, I, I keep the fun in. It. Maybe um, you're not saying this intentionally, you're not saying this, but I will offer a little bit of uh, what I see in Sage is a lack of tenacity. Like she doesn't want to throat stomp anybody. She's too happy. She's having too much fun actually until she loses probably. But it's like the, the fiery desire to actually win the heat, forget about the world title, just the heat. I don't see, you know, that Courtney Conlog has in spades or Tatiana yeah. has in spades, all that. It's like, that's what Sage is missing. And if she doesn't have it, that's fine. But cause she is, I think living maybe a happier, more actualized life than a lot of those other competitors are, but um, it doesn't help win a world title. That's for sure. Well, that's where both Carlos and Sage need to be kicked in the butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Um, yeah, they need, they, need, they need to get fired up. Um, Carlos doesn't realize it right now, but I'm gonna like out here, I'm gonna have his brother and some of the best friends like 
when he goes out surfing, I'm ha I'm have I'm just gonna have him paddle hassle the heck out of him, not give him any waves for 40 minutes, just hassle him without him knowing, like really yeah. just give it to him and and not let him have anything. Just fight him and make sure that he can't catch anything. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's part of what you know for me. I have to do that. Um, I ha I have to draw his brother and his friends for that help right now because yeah. uh carlos is too nice and um he could be that nice on the beach but once that jersey's on he's got to he's got to turn into the competitor but he can be nice that's fine but he know he has to know when to turn the heat up and turn it down right um i would imagine with your Famous recent age. right um with the success that you've had recently, I would imagine there's going to be a new demand on your services as a coach. Have you, um, has, have you people started reaching out to you? Do you shirk that and just focus on Carlos for this year? What's your strategy as a coach? Um, well, my son is, uh, probably going to come back in March. I mean, February, middle of February. And my son's, he's a really good surfer he's uh he does huge errors and i mean he'll take off on anything i mean why mayo is closing out he'll he goes for it so like he's a good all-around surfer uh surfed in the pipe vulcan uh pro junior just once and made the quarterfinals uh so he's coming back and he's gonna uh help run the camp and uh we're going to do some, some different, different things. And, uh, he, he may do an air, air, uh, an air camp one week and, you know, we're, we're going to do a bunch of different things. We're going to make it really fun. And, uh, if I'm not here, he will be. And I I've been inviting Din, Dean Randazzo, an old pro surfer. And he was just here. He just left yesterday. Awesome. Um, but, He's also, you know, I'll bring these some older pros in and uh, to work with us at certain times. Cool. Um, are you going to be traveling with Carlos through the year? Uh, it looks that way, as long as everything works out. Um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be on the road. Cool. Um, yeah, I really feel like you're going to have some opportunities from other championship tour surfers. I feel like when Glenn Hall had all that. Uh, success with like Matt Wilkinson. He was able to translate it one or two more times to a couple other athletes, but the more people, I think the more clients you take on, on that level, it almost diffuses the amount of energy, obviously that you can give to any one client. And then they're surfing against each other in heats and all that sort of stuff. So it's hard to replicate what Glenn did right out of the gates, you know? Yeah. My, my thing is, um, I won't take more than three per category. Okay. Um, so like Carlos and possibly two more, but it doesn't have to be, um, but Carlos and one more, that's fine. Uh, a Sage and one more, that's fine. Uh, I'm in, you know, uh, it, it, but it's got to work, you know? Um, yeah. And you got to know that 
it's, you know, I'm working with each one of them and I want them to win. Yeah. Uh, so if Do they you... come up against each other, that's, uh, you know, at that point, you just kind of throw your hands up and go, you know what, you guys, I've told you both what exactly what to do. Now it's up to you guys to use the skills that you've learned and go do it on your own. And yeah. after this heat, I'll be working with one of you again. Are there any young prospects like on the world's uh, radar that we've seen surfing who you watch and think could benefit from coaching? Uh, wow. Yeah, there's. Yeah, I see certain things with uh, certain people uh, like say for like a Charlie Martin on the challenger series. Oh yeah. Uh, he, he, he definitely could make it onto the tour. Um, small little things that needs need to be changed. Uh, uh, Barrett debris. Yeah amazing surfer that isn't using all of his talents uh all the time uh he used to be one of the best air guys that most people don't realize that and i think he needs to get back to some of that game again uh some of the girls uh yeah it's it's more uh luana selva was here uh, with Aaron Brooks uh, a few months ago and uh, her ground game surfing was attacked, you know, driving off the bottom, big roundhouses, you know, three to four big carving turns put together in a row. Um, so to see her put it together on, on the Challenger series in Find, make it was uh you know she she jumped up right away and 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 did it so yeah congratulations to her yeah totally but, um on the world tour yeah there's there's a lot of things that i see basic a lot of really basic stuff that could be that surfers could fix to do better, but I can't really give that up because that's how I know how to beat them. <laughs> of course. Well, do you ever, have you ever reached out to somebody like Barrick DeVries or Charlie Martin and said, and offered your services, or do you just wait until they reach out to you or you cross paths? Um, I haven't, um, reached out, um, to those guys, but, uh, um, you know, I, it's more, they got to reach out to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. uh, jo Johnny, Johnny Corso has been reaching out to me right now. And, uh, so that, that looks like a possible, uh, prospect for a challenger awesome. guy. Awesome. Yeah. Despite, I agree with what you said about, um, the mid-year cutoff. It is a bummer to see some of these really immense talents maybe lose, uh, midway through the, se the season, but the challenger series almost makes up for it. The fact that they could re-qualify just through four or five events or two big results on the challenger series, I think, um, balances it out for me. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, 
it makes for a long year this year because uh, Carlos and I have been on the road for four months, day, almost daily, you know, I mean, it was like gone and didn't realize how fast, like, cause you know, we weren't focusing on anything, but just one heat at a time. So then all of a sudden it's like, hey, like, you know, we punch the numbers in. That's all we could do, punch our numbers in and let the cards fall where they fall. Oh man, he broke his board in Oliva. I never lost faith or anything like that. I, I had this peace when we drove away that he was still, I had peace that he was, he, he was still okay for some reason. And I had hope. And it was placed on me, hope. Well, at that point, it wasn't up to Carlos or me to do anything. We had to sit back and watch the power of God work. And boy, did it, it was amazing to watch. Uh, because at that point, it was all God. I mean, we, he had, there's so many things that could have happened. And so many people that could have easily passed Carlos. Um, and for Carlos to end up being the last guy uh, was, it was definitely out of our hands. Uh, and, and like I said, uh, you know, you, you just had to really watch the power of, of God work in that because it, it, it was, it, Carlos can't say I did it. Or, you know, Jim, I can't say I did it. It's like, we, we punched our numbers in and we just had to let them fall and we had to watch everything else around One. us. And, you know, Carlos did not want anybody to lose. So he gets a spot. He was just clapping for like even guys that were surfing good that he needed to lose. <clears throat> That Instagram video was one of the best moments I saw on Instagram this past month where you were filming from behind as he watched that Kalani ball heat and he yeah. needed Kalani to lose, like you said, for Carlos to actually qualify. And he was cheering Kalani on when he was completing great rides. And I yeah. thought, wow, this is such a great heartwarming moment. And it's a testament to the new Carlos, you know, to Carlos's character. Yeah, and, and that's really what I wanted to show about <clears throat> who Carlos is. And he's really about good surfing. He wants to surf good. He loves it when everybody rips. He, he wants to clap for him. He'll be the first guy to clap, stand up and clap if someone gets a great ride. So that's who Carlos is. That's awesome. I appreciate you showing that on Instagram. I thought that was fantastic. Um, well, I've focused mo most of this conversation on Carlos, um, yeah. but let's close out with a couple of questions about you. How old are you now? I'm 58. How often are you surfing nowadays? Um, well, before the last four months, I was surfing every day. <laughs> the last four months, I've been a bit, you know, one-sided. Let's go, Carlos. <laughs> Yeah, of course. But you are, the point is at 58, you're still fully engaged in surfing. 100%. Um, have you hit your prime yet of surfing? Um, I would say the best surfing I, I did was um, between 45 and 50. Was it really? Um, yeah. I, wow. I think that was my, my 
best surfing I've ever done was between 45 and 50. And I was surfing every day. We had this crazy wave down here that was giving 20 second barrels and just I had thousands of waves with Charlie Coon and we were just having too much fun. But um, I believe that, you know, I, I always say I refuse to grow up in my mind for surfing wise, because uh, once you do, then you, you, you know, when, when do you come off the bottom and you see that eight foot lip that you're kind of scared to hit, you know, um, it's starting to happen more this year. Uh, before that, I didn't really feel like it. I feel like maybe I'm getting just a little bit of edges coming off, but good waves, point breaks, I'm, I'm doing really good surfing still but coming into those big closeout sections and doing those lip lines and stuff uh i almost tore the muscle off my hamstring i ripped it and tore it pretty good i've been kind of shy for the last five years after that yeah going for those that i don't need to go for it 50 yeah well, a lot of people's body fails them before 45 when you hit your zenith. Uh, how did you uh, maintain such physical health up until that age? Oh, you know, I was, I was just putting the time in the water. I was surfing. Okay. Just running a surf camp, taking people surfing. In between that surfing, I just putting all the time in. Do you have any... Um, are you regimented about your diet? Um, no, but my wife is definitely helping me uh, on that. Uh, she's been making tons of salads and uh, we pretty much have a, most of the time when I'm at home, we're having a big, huge salad with uh, different fruits and uh, nuts and stuff inside and we just change it a little bit and it makes a new salad. It, it's awesome. So um, I'm obviously asking just because for my own benefit, but also for listeners who are aging and trying to maintain their surf schedule. Um, do you avoid or restrict um, animal protein, meats, sugar, dairy, or alcohol in your diet? Um, well, there's no alcohol in the diet. Um, so sugars, uh, I mean, I'm not going that come that crazy. Uh, uh, I am still eating some meat, some protein, uh, chicken steaks every now and then, but for the most fish probably changing a lot of that for fish mainly. Uh, but, um, mainly eating oatmeal and fruit in the morning. Yeah. And uh, if I am uh, getting hungry or something, we have uh, those Gaio Pinto plates, you know, with beans and rice and a salad with a thing of fish is kind of what I do in that afternoon and big salads at night. And that's it. Kind of keep it um, pretty, pretty healthy. Keep it simple. Yeah. Same yeah. strategy. Um, yeah, that makes perfect sense. It sounds, yeah, just keep the staples and make sure you get your fruits and vegetables and avoid the bad stuff. Yeah. I also coach in, uh, um, 
Rachel Presti. Yeah, I know Rachel. Since she was a young girl. And so after about 10 years of with Chelsea and Carlos, I started coaching Rachel and Xander Venezia. Okay. And do you know Xander? Who Xander was? I don't. No. He's from Barbados. And uh, a few years ago, a wave landed on him in Barbados and he hit his head on the reef and he passed away. I um, do remember that actually. Yeah. So wait, is he, I never, he's goofy footer, right? Yes. Yeah. I, so I actually do know Xander. I spent a week with Xander in Costa Rica of all places. Um, yeah, that, he was with me. Okay. Okay. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a super tragic story. Yes. Uh, I just talked to his dad the other day. Uh, Louis. Is his dad Louis? Yeah, Louis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I got him uh, one of those Carlos shirts. So awesome. uh, he, he wants one of those. So I didn't really pick up anybody in that area, but I was kind of raising, like I said, they wanted to bring the two smallest countries, Barbados and Costa Rica, up to the world tour with Chelsea and Carlos, which now I've fulfilled that. And the next two coming up is Rachel and Xander. And Rachel's been carrying a Z on her board. She's become the world junior champion. So Xander also got that as a world junior champ. That's awesome. She's carrying that. Uh, so uh, that, that's been kind of, uh, but I'm not going to go down from, um, the beginners of little kids anymore and, and try to bring them up from the bottom up. Um, I, I, I will end up taking uh, good surfers and making them better at this point um, because I don't have the time to put that many hours in again. I, I just wanted to do it to show that I could bring them from the bottom up to the world tour. Yeah. I love that story. And Rachel, by the way, is a great pick. She has so many strong fundamentals that um, yeah. you can really help her kind of achieve greatness, I think. Yeah, well, you're going to see a different Rachel right now. Um, kind of went through, uh, you know, you go to the peaks and valleys and she kind of hit a valley and um, we just pulled out of that valley and um, she took a third place in the very next contest after we pinpointed some of the things that were wrong and now it's even better because uh we've got her on some new equipment and she's looking sharp so you're gonna see uh some fireworks coming out of her a lot better than you did the last year cool you know what else i want to see is that footage from when you were 45 to 50 does that footage exist um i don't know um but i know on my instagram there's some videos of me, uh, uh, I think uh, at 56, 57, and 58. I put Gotta Live It to Know It and put little clips of me in the last three years surfing. Uh, yeah, I've seen some of them. But um, I, don't, I don't have any of the good stuff. Um, when Charlie and I were out at our little secret spot, we didn't really have a camera. We were just... Um, we were, we spent like 250 days, like Crazy. all day there. Yeah. We were broke 28 boards in one year. 
Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was, it was getting ridiculous. You guys, it's probably for the better that you didn't have cameras there documenting it. I like it. Keep it old school. Yeah. Um, final question for everybody is just what was the last surfboard that you rode or what are you riding recently? Um, well, I ride, I ride exactly what I ride Rachel's boards. I have a couple of Sage's boards here, ride Carlos's boards. Um, that way I give feedback on them. Uh, I've been riding Michael, I've been riding Michael Barron's, uh, uh, for me is I like his realm pins and that's what I've been riding. Um, I just, I rode Kelly's, uh, flat earth with, in, uh, Mexico with Kelly. Uh, he had two twin fins and one was a black one and he had his flat earth. And he's like, Oh, take it out and we'll switch in the water. And I uh, was having so much fun on it. <laughs> I didn't switch him. I'm like paddled away. Get away from me. I'm not giving this back. Wow. Um, I saw a couple of those photos like one bottom turn image that looks so sick with you on that board. Yeah. So what I've done is I've, uh, I've tried to get that board off him and he wouldn't, he wouldn't give it up because he ended up liking it after that. And uh, so I took that board and I've copied it and I put my 1980s board, the bottom of my 1980s board with two wide channels on the outside and one on the middle with a, a V uh, and I've combined the two and it's, it's being done right now. Who's, who's shaping that? Um, one of my life, long time, uh, high school friends, Jerry O'Keefe. Okay. He has a shaping machine, uh, right around the corner from Timmy. And, um, I've, um, he, he does a lot of surfboards. He calls, he has his own called soul stick and, um, he likes to experiment with me and give me a board here and there and, like he did me this twin fin with uh, Sid Vicious on the bottom. Uh, the whole board was Sid Vicious. Yeah. It was kind of funny. And I, I so we've been, you know, and I told him about that. I, I was going to do that, make the board like that. And he's like, oh, let me do it. So he. It's done being done right now. It looks awesome. Good. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Well, hey, Jim, thank you for taking so much time out of a Saturday to do this. I really appreciate it. And I'm psyched for your guys' success. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really happy that it's starting at Pipeline and Sunset. Um, I believe that Carlos... The two are fits Carlos, but we, we, these are the type of waves that Carlos serves the best in. Uh, yeah. So like Tahiti and um, G-Land and all these places, uh, you know, that's why it, it's so important to do well in these, these events. But we're not, we're not um, if something happens and you don't make a heat or something, it's not the end of the world. You know, we're, we're able to reset like in the u.s open things didn't go well but we went to um uh, uh portugal you know and we got a fifth and we didn't even think about anything we just did one heat at a time and next thing you know that's where we ended up we weren't 
and then the next contest, we just kept doing what we were doing, and that's what we got. This one at Haliva, we were trying doing the same, but we didn't get a, a jump start on the at the first heat uh, with a broken board. It's like there was only one aspect of the coaching part that I was like, okay, what should I do? Should should I send Carlos out right now with a broken board? And he, I don't think he would have known that I wanted him to get, get out there, get priority, and then raise his board and get a jet ski ride in, you know, oh, okay. change equipment, but keep priority. Um, because that was something that's never happened. So that's something that is a, a new thing. But um, because, you know, he could have paddled out, got priority, got a jet ski ride in, switched boards and paddled out. And once he got out there, he would have been able to, whatever priority he was in, he would have got back. Right. So, uh, you know, there's certain things like that that are, uh, you really just got to stay sharp on your, on your game as a coach to give the athlete the, the best advantage. Totally. Yeah. That's a learning experience right there. Yeah. But, um, I asked him, he, he said he would have taken off and he would have broke the board. So it was better that I got him in. <laughs> Fair enough. Cool. Well, hey, we'll be watching at Pipe. Super excited. All right. And um, yeah, keep your eye on Sage and uh, Rachel. I'm sure they'll be, uh, if they want it, they will, they'll be coming up real soon. Yeah, I'm a fan of both of them as well. So right on. Right. Well, enjoy, enjoy the holiday and we'll see you in Hawaii. Okay. Merry Christmas. You too. Thanks, Jim. See Oh, just think of the time Art and love so strange Said you never know While I try my best Hey, cover eyes It's a common way to blame and hide the truth I know that some will say Matters a little, babe Oh, but come on and mean it to me I need it so bad The great, the youthful, the hardworking Jim Hogan, everybody. JimHoganSurfCamp.com is where you can find his website. I will, of course, link to that and his Instagram, which is fantastic to follow. Um, surf clips of old and new. His current surf clips are pretty incredible. Not, I was going to say for his age, not just for his age. He's just an epic surfer regardless of age. So... Check all of that stuff out on surfsplendorpodcast.com. We have a comment section at the bottom where you can leave a note for him. I will ensure that he sees that. And I don't mention it often enough, frequently enough, but we have a subscription platform set up on our website for $5 a month, five bucks or 10 bucks. And that's the foundation of our business. So we do have advertisers and they are awesome. And that provides a lot of support. But 
it's inconsistent and uh, the subscriptions are the recurring revenue that we rely on to predict and to run our business and to plan for the future, to archive all of these episodes, to pay for the monthly expenses, that sort of stuff. So if you are interested in supporting our work here, if you're interested in seeing our work here grow, consider the $5 subscription. It goes a very long way. And in return, we offer you an ad-free podcast listening experience and um, we do surfboard giveaways and a couple of other unique things throughout the year. So thank you for your consideration for that. Hope you are having a wonderful holiday season. If you celebrate Christmas, I hope that you are able to do that with family and loved ones this year. Hopefully get some time off from work. And uh, most importantly, hopefully get back into the water. So my name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I am hoping that you have a wonderful holiday season in the ocean sharing waves with friends shred That was pretty good. Let's try it one more time.